This episode is brought to you by Move, Meditate, Sleep, your all-in-one platform to help you move more freely, meditate more easily, and sleep more soundly, with new content added every week. If you'd like to try a free seven-day trial, click the link in the show notes. Properly. Properly. Oh, you tap on the top, don't you? You tap on the bottom. Oh, really? Yeah, you tap on the bottom. Well, that's usually with, you know, lager. Guinness is, is of course, a whole different uh, Ah. proposition. I just see my dad used to tap on the top, so... Did it work out okay for him? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, actually, I've tapped the bottom and look what's happened. So I, th- I, th- I think I've been doing it for, daisy. for 30 years. And go halfway. Is it in the stop or just all the way? I think all the way. Yeah. Well, who are we fooling? Well, you know, like, of course, the Irish are very proud of this, um, you know, um, sacred... Uh, <laughs> Choose your words. <laughs> sacred regime of pouring the Guinness. But I actually read online a few years ago that it's complete BS. The oh, whole no. the whole letting it sit and, 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 and then you come back and, and fill it up, you know, in the pub with the, yeah. with the tap. Apparently it's BS. Oh, no, I don't want to believe that. Cause yeah, I li- no, I li- neither do I. <laughs> I like the ceremony of it. Yeah, exactly. Know? And also the way that life is so fast, but mm. that's something you've got to wait for. Yeah, I like, I like exactly. That. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Especially in the environments where Guinness is usually consumed, the pub, you know, and people are finished work and they're mm. so used to going, going, going. It's, it gives them that chance to, to, to cultivate some patience, you know. Mm. Do you know, I have, a, I, I have a confession to make, actually. I've taught two beer yoga events. Oh, God. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you want to leave now? Or? <laughs> I'll wait till I finish the no. Guinness. <laughs> now, um, hear me out on this, right? So the first one, I had just finished my teacher training. Mm. 200 hour and i couldn't get a job like i went uh, asked to be put onto cover lists and I, I thought you just finished 200 hour and you get a job straight away straight in yeah i just assumed and then i was thinking is it because i'm a man is it because i'm like how i speak or is it because i'm too old well, was this in dublin by this the way in dublin or, yeah, yeah in the elbow room okay that's where they did my, my 200 hour mm. and then i got an email from someone uh an, an ad agency saying we have a youtube channel with like a million subscribers. Wow. Yeah. And, and they th- say- this is this is like way pre-COVID is- online world as well. Yeah, this is like four years ago. Wow. So, so it was online, but like they said, um, so we're looking for a yoga teacher to do beer yoga. Um, and I was desperate, so I did it. But the, it's on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. If you type in like Irish people do beer yoga or something like that, and it's got like 300,000 views. Wow. I, I know, but it's, and it's, you think to yourself like, um, you know, everything you do in life now is digitalized and yeah. a permanent record it's forever. It's an imprint in, in the ether, you know. <laughs> and there's me like doing that, you know, and I kind of like part of me is is embarrassed about it. But the other part of me is like, well, at the time I was stuck. Yeah. You know, and um, don't be it. It informs your path. You know, that's, <laughs> exactly. that's the point of everything, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and how was it? What's the process that you, you drink in between asanas? Or, I know, mate, or? It's a, yeah. So. I was saying things like, you know, you do say um, tree pose mm-hmm. and you just be holding the beer and then you lift the beer up. And I, as I was doing that, I was like, this is this is wrong. You know, I knew it was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're desperate, you will take desperate measures, you know, and they paid very well. And then and then I got went on to YouTube. Then I got contacted by a brewery. Oh, my God. And they're actually wow. a big massive brewery now. Um, they're called Hope. Um, they've got a big brewery here in Dublin. Wow. Uh, they were just starting out and they offered me whatever and then i said after that i was like no that's enough yeah yeah. because i think they wrote about it in love in dublin and the comments underneath were like this is like bastardizing yoga and stuff and then i started i was working regularly so i thought 
I, I you know I'm out of the woods Distance. now. I can do, yeah. Yeah. So that's the confession, Father. <laughs> 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 oh, God, we're going into Catholicism no, already. I know, sorry, We've man. only had one sip of Guinness. What's going on? But it reminds me of a priest. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A dog on But, um, Robbie, thanks so much for coming, mate. Yeah, thanks uh, for having I, me, I really... man. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> and as I said to you, it was so synchronistic when, when you reached out, you know, because I've been thinking all week, I must give Kevin a message, you know. And actually, I'd seen you in Dublin in Dartmouth Square a few weeks ago. I'd finished teaching a class and I'd seen you and I was like, oh, you know, there's Kevin, I'll go over and say hello, introduce myself. And you were busy, you were getting the speaker set up and all this, and then people were arriving. And I was like, I don't want to just be, you know, like <laughs> that weird guy in the corner, like, hey, Kevin, you know. I think I've seen you, actually. You were you were sitting, because I, I was like, oh, there's a guy teaching yoga there. Um, you had your legs, you can do a very impressive full lotus, can't you? Uh, yeah, maybe it was. You can, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, that's impressive flexibility, you know. No and uh, But then I just, I, I, I think I still get very nervous when I, teach you know mm -hmm. so i'm a bit kind of that was my first public class in front of people for a long time mm -hmm. so i was just you know trying to be cool and calm and although uh, i regard myself as a confident person i feel i don't know what your thoughts on this but i am not very good at small talk i mm. find it kind of um i go to i'm not good at the, like the chit chat sometimes i go mm. too deep or ask like two serious questions or um but that's great you but know, but then I mean I mean now I regret not coming over to you. like hey Kevin is like what's, know, mean, what's it all about man? yeah what's it all about <laughs> like oh this is gonna be brilliant guys yoga class call off me and Kevin are gonna relax here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I I think like that's a skill in itself I mean I think that what appealed to me when I, about about yoga initially was that how kind of weird people seemed and mm. or like interesting basically and everyone's yeah. feel like it feels like a bit of a misfit you know you go to yeah. yoga it's not a team sport you're going for something else yeah and then i went there when i went there i felt like i feel like a bit of a misfit sometimes mm. and but here feels like people are a bit more open yeah. but you have to remember that members of the public who are maybe just strolling in for a, a little stretch in the park sometimes they're not ready for uh deep stuff you know of course yeah but, or, or or concepts that are otherwise kind of alien to the standard western mind let's say you mm. know like if, if you start jumping in with all these kind of ideas of the nature of reality and consciousness and mind and karma and blah 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 blah, blah people are just maybe not going to be receptive to because it, it's not in our vocabulary here in ireland or england or northern europe or well europe and western civilization let's yeah. say it's not really in our vocabulary you know mm. so it's kind of like you have to approach it if you feel like people are receptive you know because mm -hmm. because one thing i've always said to people that you know a lot of um yoga traditionalists let's say even people like myself who are really um curious and interested in the 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 history of yoga and and the roots and coming from the indian subcontinent and, and all the kind of metaphysical philosophical stuff um the argument is made oh well westerners don't want to hear that westerners just want to work out they just want to come in and stretch and sweat and go home and I always disagree. I always say, well, I just feel that the problem is that the teachers facilitating the classes aren't given a gateway into those realms because they, they make that assumption themselves. Mm. They, they sit down to go and teach the class and they say, you know, what? I'm not going to mention yoga sutras or whatever it might be. I'm just going to I'm just going to give them what they want. And actually, the students might need that because when people come to yoga, like like you're just saying about being a misfit and myself, 
and anyone actually I've ever spoken to who has practiced yoga or came to yoga, it's because there was something that drove them to that practice. They needed something different. They needed something away from the social structures that were in place. They needed something away from, you know, sports or, or, or maybe more traditional forms of, of, of even therapy, let's say. And, and it's, that impulse has driven them towards yoga. And so if 50% of people are, sorry, if 100% of people go to yoga for something different, then at least maybe 50% are going to be receptive to those new ideas, you mm. know? And I think anyone who's interested in yoga always has an expansion of mind. You know, these concepts start to become more familiar and more uh, felt, let's say. They're not as abstract, you know? Mm. The idea of, let's just say, karma, for example which we know of in the West, but to the normal lay person, it's like, oh, karma, it's some woo-woo stuff. But somehow when you start to practice yoga, it starts to maybe make more of a felt sense. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah, and also I think the process of simply moving your body with your breath and getting into that flow, it opens you up oh. to other ways of thinking. You're, you notice sometimes like, someone may present a concept to you at the start of a class and it doesn't sink in, you're resistant, resistant to it. But then towards the end of the class, after the class, you, I have found myself to be like chanting, for example. Mm -hmm. When I first started doing yoga, I was embarrassed to mm -hmm. chant. I felt silly. Um, but now I, I love it. And I've been in situations, especially like where you're teaching in a corporate environment and you do want to do a chant and People are resist resistant. Now, I can understand that in a corporate yeah. environment. That's not what they signed up for, maybe. But I do think, as you said, it's kind of, well, not to paraphrase what you're saying, it's almost like a responsibility mm. to make people comfortable to a degree, mm -hmm. but also uh, not push them, but uh, pull them yeah. <laughs> yeah. into the beyond their boundaries. Yeah. So, you know, if I didn't have a teacher that kept on encouraging the chanting, I wouldn't have done it at all. But it, mm -hmm. the fact that it became a habit then, mm -hmm. I just thought this is just something we do. And I started to really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, mean, I think I talked to um, Nico, shit, I forget his name. Uh, he's a, he's a Brownline teacher, Nico, handsome geezer. Um, anyway, it doesn't matter. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Don't Nico. worry, it'll, co so, it'll come by the end, <laughs> end of the drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, he, said, he said about, you know, it's kind of our responsibility to, to, to do that to yeah. in a way make people feel slightly uncomfortable yeah, and, exactly. and, and and then they can ask themselves why do i feel uncomfortable 100 percent exactly you know, you know I, chanting is something that i i like to teach as well and you know i'm quite conscious that i don't want to over explain things i don't want to over rationalize and over justify things because again just the way our conditioning is in our society we're very much logistical rational people you know when we, we we really want the science let's say behind everything mm. and so in yoga you're trying to kind of pull away from the very kind of cognitive ruminating mind and come into a more physical and emotional felt sense of how it is to, to as you said move your body with your breath and how it is to chant and what what that actually does to you physiologically mm. um so when i when i teach i try to bring a little bit of like okay this is what it does in a, in a rational sense but as you said, if you notice yourself having resistance to that, allow that to be a tool for self-inquiry. Well, why am I resistant to that? What, what has happened in the past that's created this armor around me doing something, which is essentially just moving my vocal cords in a different <laughs> way than when I'm speaking every other 
uh, part of the day. Mm. You know, that th- th- you're not doing much different, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's always about inviting people to inquire, you know, because yoga is a whole process of, of self-inquiry, you know. You can see what preferences you have. You can see what a- aversions you have. You can see how they manifest physically when you're doing an asana. You can see how they manifest when you attempt to chant, whether you dive into it with, with no inhibitions or whether you pull back. So it's always a, a process of like catching yourself and having that gateway into self-inquiry. So even with mantra, I think it can always be a gateway to say, look, if you find resistance, don't chant, like don't force yourself, but then, you know, allow that to be something that you can look back on mm. the next time you go to chant or, or even just after your contemplation. Like what what was it that was that was inhibiting me from from going into do a chant you know exactly and but then it's as we were talking about before you hit record that skill of teaching is is not pushing people but encouraging them putting mm. them along you know mm-hmm. um because otherwise people can be very resistant and i think speaking of catholicism it, it i felt like in class and we used to put hands into prayer i i didn't like doing that either yeah me too for a long time again it's conditioning is it because we have those associations as soon as you do that like you know mm. it takes you back to going to church on a sunday and for yeah. me growing up you know it wasn't that it was uh, torturous but i didn't enjoy it you know especially as a teenager last thing you want to be doing is going mm-hmm. to church on a sunday but i did it because my family went yeah. but as soon as you do that it instigates that that uh memory you know yeah. and, and it takes a while to get over that that conditioning and, and associate it with something new mm. even you know? though even it actually took for me to go to southeast asia um because i lived in east asia but then in southeast asia p- p- um, prayer hands is people do that all the time yeah. just thank yeah. you and then you i found myself doing it the same way i'd wave at someone mm. and then it became more of a natural thing as opposed to you must do this right now because this is what we do. Yeah. So it, it, you can pick up these things, not in necessarily the yoga class, but certain customs if they feel um, in your own time, essentially. Yeah. Um, but I, I find that with with the teaching of um, developing your teaching, right, I have a tendency to be hyperbolic in my language, to be an absolutist. So it's this way, Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm like that quite a lot. And I know that's a weakness of mine because, for example, um, I got into a habit uh, about a year ago of kind of belittling or not belittling, that's the wrong word, but um, not maybe paying enough respect to scripture. Mm-hmm. So I went for a phase of when I was doing teacher training, as mm-hmm. in training teachers, uh, I was all into the history, philosophy, spirituality side of it. And then I found I felt like um, I hit a ceiling, and I I felt that that it wasn't being received in class that well. Mm. So what I was saying, people were kind of t- switching off. I right, see their yeah, eyes yeah. glazing over, and I thought, yeah. although I find this interesting, it's not tr- it's translating in class. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel like it is. Mm-hmm. So then I went the opposite way. I was like, right, I'm not going to talk any more philosophy, spirituality, yeah. any more history, yoga. I'm just going to teach movement and breath. Mm. So what I did then was I was like. You know, I, I would say things like, it doesn't matter if it's 3,000 years old or a year old. It, it doesn't mean it's right, basically, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that... Which is so true. It's true, way. but then you you might be isolating someone at the back of the class mm. who loves ancient scripture, who, yeah. lo- who loves um, mm. the philosophy side of it. So I think a, a general approach that I always try to remind myself of, of is to be like, have the philosophy of, it depends. Yeah. Maybe. Exactly, exactly. I or I don't know. Exactly. And also it's like 
as you said, it's like open-ended. It's like, if it works for you, it's like, okay, this is like, you know, these are the teachings. They work for me and they might not work for you. And as you said, I don't know, you know, but again, it's like leaving that invitation. It's at least having it open for people to inquire, you know? And again, like coming back to that, I really feel like most people I've spoke to who practice yoga at some stage have went through a phase, as you said, of, of enjoying and gaining from the philosophy. Like, I know that for me, I think what I found the whole nature of yoga philosophy, because it's very vast and it's very kind of, it uh, transcends a lot of time periods, a lot of social and cultural uh, progressions in, in India, especially. So it's very vast and there's a lot to kind of wrap your head around. But what I feel it's done for me is it's given me like an orientation, you know, because so we're talking about Catholicism didn't work for me growing up. And especially, I guess, as a teenager, early 20s, I was kind of like really anti-religion, um, not anti-religion in any sort of, you know, like passionate way. But I just I didn't have time for it. And I, I really loved science and I spent a lot of time just kind of watching documentaries. You know, no, again, nothing serious, not nothing academic, but just watching a lot of documentaries on on astrophysics and, and the universe. And that was also, wow, beautiful. But it didn't really give me anything to kind of orient my life with. And then when I found yoga and spirituality, I was like, ah, okay, this is like describing the human experience and I can relate to this and this can actually orient me in my life. Mm. You know, it can give me a sense of direction, purpose, meaning, because I wasn't getting that from religion, which is which is an argument for religion. You know, at least religion gives people that orientation in, in their personal lives, with their family, with community. And then science maybe doesn't offer that because science is, of course, very uh, rational based and maybe doesn't focus so much on the human subjective experience. Whereas spirituality, I found kind of covered both of those grounds. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it really gave me that that orientation. And and that's why for me, it's like a constant. I constantly come back to it. You know, I constantly come back to the teachings. Yeah, I, I think I think um, that you, you know, you, you sounds like you discovered the spirituality or the, the um, yoga to make sense of the world or you know yeah. because i do actually think religion is can be beneficial and again like being an absolutist i really rubbish religion in the past mm -hmm. from being really religious i was then like to hell with religion yeah yeah um it, uh, and and in fact my mrs rach she grew up real religious mm -hmm. and she would be offended if i said that like to help religion is bollocks basically mm -hmm. um so then it made me rethink, like, why am I uh, so polarizing, it, it, polarized mm. about things? Mm -hmm. Why can't I take some of the good from it? And I, I feel like um, uh, religion can be helpful as long as it's not fundamentalist religion. Or yeah. you're fundamental about anything. Well, exactly. That's, you know, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Like, you can get so attached to any ideology, even science, you know. In fact, I see it a lot in science and there's a lot of kind of scientists that I like. I listen to him podcasts and, and YouTube and things like that. People like Rupert Sheldrake. I don't know if you know him. He was a, I think, a biologist a what or biologist? a chemist. Oh, you think uh, he was a biologist? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. he was a biologist or a chemist. Mm -hmm. They're both very different. I think he was a biologist of some description in Cambridge for many, many years. And he, he's he's very famous. You know, he 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 done a lot of work and talks with Terence McKenna when he was alive. And he's still writing books now. Mm. And his whole thing is like, you know, how dogmatic science can be. 
you know, even, for example, someone like Richard Dawkins, who's super atheist and super, you know, rational, materialistic science. I love listening to him. The guy's amazing. He, he you know, he's, he's an evolutionary biologist. So, of course, his knowledge is wow. Mm. But when I listen to him, sometimes I'm like, you're so dogmatic in your in your in your rigid, fundamental belief that everything else is woo woo and nonsensical and that, you know, you're essentially your system explains everything you know mm -hmm. so it's like when you get way too involved in any ideology even yoga it's, you, you've lost it you know mm. it's like it's so funny come for me i've come back full circle where it's like i know nothing <laughs> you know i know absolutely nothing and and that's that's kind of the beauty of it yeah you know? but you know robbie um there's a great handstand teacher again i knew his first name yuri Masterson, oh, the, oh no, big ginger beard, bald head. He's from okay. Slovakian, I believe. Or no, I don't know. I thought it was the Israeli guy. There's an Israeli guy on Instagram. Uh, oh, the, I think his name is Yuri as well. He's yeah, he good-looking chap. Evil. He can do like crazy movements and but they all can. Ten, but th <laughs> this guy, this guy is more like um, big uh, guy, bald head, big ginger mm. beard. Yuri something. He came okay. to Ireland not too long ago. Oh, cool. But he regularly says things like. I don't know. Or um, I heard mm. him say the other day, doing like teaching handstands, going, everything has already been taught. No mm. knowledge is new. Mm. I'm just taking things I heard from other people. And just him saying that made me trust him. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, cool, you're not the Messiah. You're not uh, some guru. You're exactly. essentially saying it's all been done. Yeah. And, and he also said with the handstand, for example, um, there is no right way. Mm -mm. It's what way works for you. Mm. But the thing is, that doesn't like um, it, the, it doesn't satisfy that quick fix. Yeah, it's yeah. like I need an answer right now. Google, I got Google. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, or I, I, if I'm doing a handstand, do I squeeze my glutes or not? Yeah, yeah. People, uh, we don't want to hear. It depends. Yeah, because yeah, then exactly. it puts it back on you to be yeah. like, oh, I haven't thought through the process. I just want question answer. Yeah, you know, and and it just shows you how because it's something I've been thinking about recently. It's like. You know, because I'm thinking about it in relation to, let's say, modern society. But I guess it's part of the human condition, isn't it? We're very, we're very codependent. You know, we like to think of ourselves as very autonomous and we have free will and blah, blah, blah. But like even an example like that just shows how codependent we are. It's like we need that like constant, not only validation, but instruction. Like, I don't know if we're, uh, we're only 10 minutes in, like forget what we've talked about. But maybe before we were talking about how, um, you know, students kind of, maybe sometimes just need that direct uh, instruction, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because otherwise they, they possibly feel a little bit lost or a bit insecure or unsure of what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Whereas actually the beauty for me would be to say to everyone, just like do what feels right in any capacity, you know? Mm. And again, that doesn't sit quite right. Even saying it, it's like, yeah, but, but then why would I go to a yoga class? Or why would I, <laughs> why would I go to a meditation class? Or why would I go to football training? If, if I go there, and you just say, yeah, do whatever you want. You yeah. know, it, it is. It's super paradoxical, but it's like, it's so important to cult. Like, because I really believe in the human potential. Like, yeah. I always say this, man. We, we've we, we've built spaceships and we've created the, the atomic bomb. Like, we've done all these. The atomic bomb, of course, is a very negative thing, how it was used. But the fact that humans have been able to contemplate and create these things into existence is just marvelous. It's unbelievable. We have such an incredible amount of latent potential you know mm -hmm. and it's like if people can learn how to tap into that because there is no difference between you and me and everyone else it's not like one person is born with 
with some sort of different mystical powers than someone else you know mm. it's it, it, it's not the case it's just that people aren't taught to be autonomous and have belief in themselves and b then they don't actually inquire into that and, and go for it you know yeah and um but i think in in a, a, a yoga class context if you're at work all day and it's like send this email this is what needs to be in it it needs to be sent by this time mm. to this person right cool there's a list of instructions the framework essentially mm. then you go to yoga class and I've had it said to me that remember we were in a all force position. The teacher mm. goes, "Move your spine how it feels good." Mm -hmm. I was like, "I don't know how to move my spine. Mm. I have no clue. I need some sort of framework." And there was like people next to me kind of twerking and stuff. And I was like, yeah. "I I am an Englishman. <laughs> I can I don't know how to move my hips in that way. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's all much straight lines at me. You know, I hear you. And so so yeah. if they say like flex your spine, extend yourself, I'm like, okay, I I know now bend it this way that way. Okay, this is a basic framework, and now I can maybe work within that. Yeah. So I think like as um so it's like professional communicators. Um, I like to think of ourselves, <laughs> a bit pretentious, but um, it is like that transition between the office or the work environment to then go into a class. Yeah. Uh, if you give people too much freedom, it becomes overwhelming. It can be overwhelming, exactly, yeah. or isolating. You know, isolating. as you said, it's like even that feeling of, well, I don't know how, because it, it goes from one extreme to the other. It goes from, as you said, like focused, direct, like instruction, instructional qualities all day yeah. to just like the shackles are off. Mm -hmm. It's maybe too much of a like grand leap, but it's really funny you say that because I was teaching a kind of somatic based yoga in Portugal. I'm hoping to do it now in, in, in Dublin as well. And when I when I first started practicing it myself, it was the exact same as you. You know, I I've always had these conditions of I'm really tall and like my body's just kind of awkward. Asana, yeah, I can work with, but you mm. know, dancing or anything like this, I'm just like <laughs> I'm awkward looking at two left feet, you know. And so when it came to practicing the the kind of free movement stuff and intuitive kind of yoga, at first it was really jarring, and I was confronted with all of those conditions as well and and self limiting beliefs, you know. And it was a process to really let go of that. And mm. it was a process to really understand like, okay, there is a feedback from the body that you can tap into. It's just, again, that the rational mind gets so in the way mm. and it's so used to following that pattern that it's used to carrying out in, in yoga classes that it does, you know? Yeah. And so it's a really interesting practice to, to delve into, mm. you know, cause it really, again, maybe reveals a lot, you know? what's what's there but what you're saying there about being like awkward essentially that conversation between your brain to your body mm. is like a language and and yeah. if you're not fluent in it you're going to feel awkward but i noticed when i started jujitsu i um i was very able to re because in jiu-jitsu have you ever practiced jiu-jitsu no no so it's i'd a, love to though it's a grappling wrestling sport mm. um and you're essentially having to react in real time to the person and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's very much like the thing about jujitsu is you have to make a quick decision. Otherwise it can end quite badly. You know, mm -hmm. essentially the objective is to strangle the person. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, that makes it sound quite savage, but you know, you can, you can tap friendly, you, friendly sportsmanship. It's like strangle. intense hugging. <laughs> um, but, but but before just a little disclaimer on jujitsu, like um, you are trying to strangle them or submit them, but they can then tap three times and you mm -hmm. have to let go. So yeah. it's there's a, a kind of a, a gentle aspect to it. Mm -hmm. But my point is that 
if the person is doing something, I noticed that I could react quite quickly. I was quite mm. nimble because I'm reacting to another person. Exactly. But reacting to my own thoughts yeah. was a lot slower. Yeah. And also a lot more of a tussle, right? Yeah, you know, definitely. There's, there's, there's a lot I'm, more I don't friction. Look, I don't look silly. Yeah. That's the thing. Is, exactly. It's like in a yoga class, for example, um, I was already very... I know I should have got over this, but mm. I'm just telling the truth. I was 30 and I was so self-conscious that I was the only guy in the class, mm. right? Mm. Couldn't do anything physically really that any, anyone else could do. And uh, it takes a while to kind of to, to get over that. Mm. Um, what, did you have that exper experience? By the way, yeah. somatic, can you just explain somatic mm. uh, movement? What, how would you des describe that? Yeah, well, when when I teach it the way I like to, you know, introduce it, because of course, if if someone drops into a yoga class and they're expecting, you know, your your kind of standardized sequence of asanas, and then you just go sh straight headfirst into this, it can be very confusing for people. So again, I like to try and keep it brief. But what I say to people is, look, use the the asanas as a blueprint, and allow yourself to mold your body around those blueprints and they can be really tangible you know so a downward dog can you can create the picture of a downward dog in your mind sure go ahead but allow yourself to really be loose with that structure mm. um and again it's just encouraging people anytime you feel the mind come into play and you feel that self self uh chatter that's that's imposing limitations or whatever it might be just try and move physically move through it you know you don't have to if you need to come into stillness of course come into stillness but try and bring some physical motion into the body and allow then your mind to be redirected with that movement and and then you find that you can start to drop into those flow states a lot more uh, consistently and with much more frequency than if you're holding static poses and you mm. know like hatha yoga for example or 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 you know something that isn't flowy yeah um so it's just really encouraging people to just constantly drop in and just reminding people like look your mind's gonna come into play that's what happens don't worry about it as soon as it like like i don't know if you meditate but it's the same um if you if you have this kind of very self-inquiry style of meditation where you're just focusing on the breath or like a vipassana style mm. it's just anytime you notice fluctuations in your mind or that your mind's drifted off uh w with with those um uh thoughts that have risen to the surface just come back to that center point just redirect your mind and it's the same except with movement mm -hmm. just once you find yourself dropping into that place drop back out and come into your body you know it's funny what you said there about i forget how you phrased it but yuri says something similar he's like don't try mm -hmm. so uh like being soft in your movement mm -hmm. but intentional yeah exactly as opposed to and then that's where the strength comes as well mm, yeah look at any like sportsman or athlete look at a boxer mm -hmm. when they throw a punch they're not all tensed up no it flows exactly it's left hand then right hand there's exactly. a, a corkscrew action going because yeah. then they understand the mechanics and the flow of it and how mm. to generate power um so you look at the best boxers they're real relaxed mm. whereas if you see someone who's really angry and they're, they're fighting they for a punch they can't generate nearly as much power because exactly. they're too tense they're too tense and everything yeah. becomes uh, contracted yeah. and what happens is when you're contracted you lose that that freedom mm -hmm. you know so you know it's funny and let's say in a yoga practice or movement practice that's very intuitive like that i find that even 
because it works in the in the polar direction as well. So it's not only those moments where you feel stuck, but also those moments where you feel like if your mind comes in and says, oh shit, this is really good, you know, I'm flowing great or whatever, then that once the mind comes into that point of focus, you're gonna snap out of that flow mm. state, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So it's, again, it's a tricky one. It's, it's a constant practice, but it's really about trying to not contract your energy or your focus down to anything, whether that thing is good or bad, mm. don't contract it and focus it down. Just stay really open yeah. and expansive, you know? And, 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 and that's like a big part of acceptance, you know? All spiritual traditions, a big key, t key principle you could say is accept and accept and what is. Mm -hmm. And so you really see that manifest in a, in, a, in a body practice like that. Whether it's good or bad, try not to label it as such, just accept it that that's what's arising in that moment physically mm. and let it just flow and continue on you know because as soon as you start to again contract down and bring attention to it narrow it down you're going to lose that expansiveness you're going to lose that gentleness that gracefulness mm -hmm. that ease that strength you know yeah let's say two scenarios mm -hmm. right first scenario is you finish work you send that email book that meeting get to yoga class then you go into yoga class Right, when I do my down dog, everything's going to be lined up. Hands in the right place. They trace the lines on the mat. Um, I'm pushing myself back. My fingertips are engaged the whole lot. My breathing is consistent. I'm doing heavy ujjayi breathing, like really intense. Um, and then you carry a, a whole practice like that, like all straight lines. It has to be really um, hard, essentially, for want of a better word. Or scenario B is too <laughs> is you go you know you go to your class and with some level of experience or body awareness it could be from dance from martial arts mm -hmm. from yoga you start to learn how to be soft in your movement and mm. therefore you're not creating tension you're letting tension go or yeah. if you if you do have tension it's for a good reason you know mm -hmm. for some strength or whatever mm -hmm. and the thing is you can do this in any movement practice mm. you know like say for example now I, I used to be like, right, what am I doing for this hour or this hour and a half? This is my objective, handstands, splits, yeah. what, splits whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now I just like, I'm just going to start moving and see what happens. And I move what I want to move. Yeah. And that, I don't speak any other languages apart from English. And mm -hmm. I barely speak that very well. But the language I've developed is, would you call it body language? Or just a, a, a relationship with my body, learning how to move it. Beautiful. Or, or any, and it's been an absolute gift. Yeah, because, same. Because now I can go to the park. I get sometimes people coming up, to, like other lads normally come up to me going, mm. what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like, what, what is this stuff you're doing? Yeah. I'm like, I'm just moving, man. And they're yeah. like, uh, why, why? Like, they just <laughs> they look at you like you're a, you're a headless chicken. Like, and you're, I, you're moving, what? <laughs> the thing yeah. is, though, it's very hard to teach that. So you, yeah, you can't, it is. what you have to do instead is in a class environment is to be like, this is our structure. Mm. This is our sequence. Yeah. This is our basic principles, our foundation. Mm. And these are options. And then hopefully I said to people like, you might go away. You might be on holiday. Mm. You might be, uh, um, you know, just in the house. You've got a spare half an hour. Mm. And you're like, I'm going to move a little bit. And you can take ideas that you've learned exactly. from me in class. Exactly. But I, when I, I don't do like a vinyasa flow now mm -hmm. at, at all at home. I just do like... Right, I'm going to look after my knees and my ankles today, yeah. and this is a flow I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sound very exciting, but what it does is it concentrates my mind on one thing. Yeah, massively, and and that's the most beautiful <laughs> thing. It's like you've cultivated that relationship with your body. You know, yeah. I I think people 
again, it's so paradoxical, isn't it? Because it's it's the simplest thing in the world. Like, for example, there's a lot of there's a big trend now towards breath work, you know, uh, in the last I, I don't know, because of COVID or just it was a coincidence. <laughs> but in the last year, you know, um, and, you know, people are kind of baffled by this idea of like just breathing. Like, what what can that do? You know, and because it's the paradox is it's so simple and it's the exact same with moving your body. It's like people are really. Uh, in our society, they're they're caught up in, in in most of the time in the sympathetic nervous system. Like it's something like seventy to seventy five percent. It's estimated that we spend our time in 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 this stressful state, and people therefore search really far outside of themselves for some sort of remedy for that. You know, and and there's all sorts of amazing things like uh, what do you call it? flotation tanks and mm -hmm. things like this. But people, you know, think that they have to throw a lot of money at things and invest in a lot. And it's like, no, you just have to literally sit in the ground and maybe throw your arms over your head and twist your spine a bit and and that's that's all it takes you know <laughs> and, and and but that to cultivate that body awareness takes time yeah it takes practice and it takes dedication and it's so funny as you said it's like i'm, I'm the same as you like now uh, a long asana practice not really it's like some mobility work just i want to just keep my limbs and my joints quite healthy you know, I'll do some strength stuff and then the asanas will be very static and maybe long and I can really just breathe into them and melt, you mm -hmm. know, and and that's but that's after years of like getting to this point of like, OK, this is what my body needs, you know, mm -hmm. and if people can cultivate that, we'll have such a free uh, humanity, you yeah. know, because people are it's funny when you say like, for example, guys will come over to you and say, what are you doing? It's so sad, though, as well, because if we were to go out on the street now and just start practicing handstands, people would label us as weird or strange. And that shouldn't be mm. like we're using our body. Mm -hmm. You know, th this is a this is an incredible mind blowing vessel. This thing, you know, mm. I was reading the other day. It's like we're composed of 59 minerals, you know. And so you think about these min minerals are generally in inanimate, you know, and yet somehow for the human these minerals come together and I have this subjective experience of being Robbie with thoughts and emotions and feelings and memories and blah, blah, blah. You have the exact same subjective experience of being Kevin. And yet all we are is a collection of minerals, you mm. know, and atoms. And for me, I'm like, wow, that's so beautiful. That's amazing. And it makes, it encourages me to move my body. Then it's like, oh, well, what can I do then? You know, I was created to move clearly, mm. like otherwise my limbs wouldn't move this way and I wouldn't have a spine the way I do. Mm. And so it's so free and it really makes you marvel at what it is to be a human. And, mm. and in our society, that isn't, it's a marvel that's not appreciated. You know, and so people are sedentary and sitting down most of the day and they think it's weird when people dance or move or do yoga. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, man, it's we're as a society where, yeah, it's quite strange. I really admire that, actually, when I see people just like dancing, sp like spontaneously. Yeah. Especially with no alcohol. I'm like, wow. You know, um, I don't find myself in that environment that mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. But I remember uh, being in Colombia and me and my mate Matt were there. He's from, He was in Birmingham mm -hmm. and just very like... I don't offend everyone from Birmingham, but he's like, <laughs> he's a real brummy, you know, like, anyway, I'll, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. I'll say, right? <laughs> and I was like a Londoner, so I don't even, I'm just generalizing here. But basically, we were there, were t these two Colombian ladies came in um, and uh, we knew them because we met them out and about in a cafe or whatever. And um, they were with their friend, Jorge. Or George, we called him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, English lads just give him oh, an English course. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
this kind of Latino music came on, Latin music, and um, they were like, oh, come to dance with us. We're like, it's the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have, yeah. I haven't had one beer. Yeah. And I, I feel, so, I, I just instantly went tense. I looked at him, I'm like, let's both not do it. And then none of us, neither of us looked bad. Yeah, so we're like, yeah. nah, we'll just, you know, whatever. And then he came along and just like twirled one around, twirled the other one around. Yeah. And I said to him, we are complete losers. Like, look yeah. at the freedom he has. Yeah, yeah. Because he's not caught up in like, um, this is what a man does. He of just course. sits here, drinks his beer, yeah. you know, and exactly. sits in the corner. Well, it's culture, isn't it? You yeah. Know, it's just so embedded in our culture to be, to move your body under certain circumstances. <laughs> Usually when it's like one in the morning, yeah. you know, there's a lot of drink being consumed and then, oh yeah, it's okay to move your body then. But like yeah. three o'clock in the sun in Colombia with beautiful music, no way. <laughs> Jeez, are you crazy? You know? Yeah. And it's, again, it's just like we were talking about before. Like it's always a gateway in to see what conditions are there and mm. why they're there and can you overcome them you know mm. like definitely i found of me with dancing i said to you before like um i was i was living in india for a while and there's a big scene there where i was i was in goa there's a big scene of ecstatic uh dance and ecstatic dance never been to heard a lot about it but honestly man it was just amazing just to release all those inhibitions just like I did, you we, know what like i can just throw my arms anywhere i can just do whatever i want and no one cares, and this is great, and there's such a freedom in that, you know. So, so when talk me through it, when you went because I did an ecstatic dancing mm -hmm. as well, it's interesting your experience. When you walked in, mm. how long until you were filling in your arms everywhere? Straight away, I went head first, you know. Because on, were you there on your own? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think that helps. Yeah, it's a bit like if, well, you, if actually, you go to yeah. the shower, right? I've noticed, it, like when I was younger, if you go to the shower and uh you're with a bunch of lads and they take the, their clothes off right mm -hmm. you know like football team whatever mm -hmm. if you don't know them you're not, embar not embarrassed but if you know someone i remember once my cousin was there and i was like i've never this is gonna be weird to see my cousin's knob basically <laughs> you know like, I'm like oh there's my cousin i've known for 20 years and yeah, there's his yeah. knob and he has a penis Jesus. i know but it's just like <laughs> to, to be looking at each other like yeah just yeah maintain eye contact yeah, yeah. i was really embarrassed because i knew him yeah so i think if i went to an ecstatic dance with someone i knew mm. Um, I'd be a bit more self-conscious because they're sure. like, I know Kev to be like this. Yes. And now he's flinging his arms everywhere and, yeah. you know, going all, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, but it is, it's, it, it, that, that's, that's just how everyone is, you know? We all mm. just look at other people based on our perceptions of them and we base our own perceptions of ourselves based on how we think they see us, mm. you know? And so it's like a constant, just like, let's try and break free from these barriers, you know, because they're mental constructs. Mm. That's really what they are. They're, they're thought forms that we give significance to and we give meaning to, and we actually abide by them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, if, if you stick with that, like, oh, I'm a shit dancer and I know other people see me as a shit dancer. Well, then, of course, I'm always going to be a shit dancer. I'm always going to hold that belief to myself and buy into it myself. And I'm never going to change what I do, what, how I carry myself out in the world. Like, I'm never going to go to an ecstatic dance, for example, you know? Mm. So it's kind of like constantly trying to come out of your comfort zone a little bit, like to become um, uncomfortable, yeah. essentially, you know? It's like, it's just to ease into that comfort really changes everything. Yeah. Um. It's not really a static dance, but I did kind of something similar with a chap called, do you know Brian Kest, the yoga teacher? He's like old school power yoga teacher from like the late 80s. But he has I feel, a- I feel like I know the he, name. He's like, he was one of the first kind of like celebrity yoga teachers, but mm -hmm. uh, in the West anyway. But he was, uh, his nephew, mm. 
Mr. Kest. <laughs> uh, but he was hosting it. And essentially what we went along, right, is a cacao ceremony. Mm-hmm. And it was in Bali. And, of uh, course. <laughs> yeah so um we went in and uh they pour out the, the cacao and i'm like well, this is just hot chocolate i mean what is all this uh and I, I, I drank it and uh i was like it's nice but mm-hmm. what's the deal here and then uh the geezer he's with um starts singing so mm-hmm. i'm like okay and then everyone starts joining in going oh right now we're singing like again middle of the day and we just got to bali you see i wasn't ready for it you know mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't um i wasn't very open to it Next thing you know, uh, Kest, Mr. Kest. Mr. Kest takes us through. Or Kest Jr. Kest Jr., yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's actually a great guy, but um, lovely ponytail. But he took us through this really powerful um, flow. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. And as he was doing it, he was like an uh, American guy, you know, kind of um, looks like a surfer. He's like, um, beautiful, beautiful people don't just happen. You know, he was like saying all these like kind of motivational things like, you know, uh, we're all spiritual beings. We just need to find that. And all, mate, I was like, I'm, 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 I feel like I've, I don't know, I'm on like some class A's or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really coming up here. Yeah, and I'm yeah, buzzing yeah, here. Yeah. Well, funny. Uh, I'll, sorry, I'll let you finish, and we'll come back to the cacao. Okay, come back to cacao. But um, so I'm like, I'm like really getting all a bit like emotional. I'm like, mm. I'm almost like welling up here a little mm. bit. Then afterwards, we do the. It's like an hour and a half of yoga. Um, I'm sweating. Rachel's next to me. When Shivasana, we hold hands. Shivasana, I'm like, this is kind of cute, whatever. The geezer next to, <laughs> the geezer next to Rach, I'm pretty sure he like held her hand or something. I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> right. So I still this, could... this could transmute into a, a place I don't want it to go. So to. yeah, it was a swingers club. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, you're in Bali. Hey, like, hey. <laughs> no, but it's funny how like that condition of like. It's my woman. Like, why are you? But then I was like, I let it go, kid. Maybe he's just kind of a freezy guy or whatever, holding Mm -hmm. her hand. And then we partnered up and she was with him and I was with someone else. And it was eye contact. Right, right? okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, I could tell Rach was kind of uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And I'd done that before, so I was Mm -hmm. like, whatever. But he, um, I kind of shed that. I'm like, don't don't feel threatened by this guy. Mm -hmm. Just let him have his moment with Rach. And that's fine. And then we were going around, going around. And uh, actually, I got grouped with a um, chap like yourself, very tall guy, like he's like six mm. three or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking up at him. And I feel like we're about to have a fight. You know, it was real weird to kind of. I was finding myself constantly questioning: Why do I feel threatened by this guy mm. who's with my girlfriend? Mm. Why do I feel threatened by this guy who's taller than me? It's this thing. I was like, I'm examining myself. Yeah. And then the last person I had, I, I was staring at was Rach. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Mate, cried like that. Wow. <laughs> cried, wow. cried like a baby. I was yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want her to see. She never seen me cry before. Wow. So she was looked a bit kind of confused, and then kind of I think maybe appreciated that I would cry in front yeah, of her. Yeah. But uh, we, we left, and I said that is one of the best experiences that I've ever had. Mm. And it started going. What is all this? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it goes back to what we were saying before, even about like mantra chanting, for example. You, you have to give people the opportunity. It, it's not the same, like grand gestures and ecstatic cacao dance in bali but you have to give people the opportunity to just possibly explore a different dimension of of their practice you Mm -hmm. know um so what i was going to say about the cacao yeah was i was at a festival in the uk a few years ago and it was a a sober festival so no drink no drugs no nothing and actually on a side note that was beautiful that really sets up a completely different atmosphere at a festival because i you know been to glastonbury and 
in the same summer that year I'd been to a dance festival somewhere in the English countryside I can't remember very different atmosphere as you can imagine um so really beautiful but uh, a friend had cacao it was the first time I'd ever had it and and drank the cacao beautiful taste whatever I was wired man I was absolutely <laughs> wired I was like watching some like folk band you know but they were kind of like balkan music like really upbeat and stuff and I was like Jesus, I feel like I'm fucking, as you say, class A, but like wide eyes. That was amazing. I had a great sleep, woke up the next day, you know, no, no nothing. It was, mm. br- it was brilliant, you know. Do you think this, because we have cacao downstairs Mm-mm. and we drink it most nights. doesn't give me the same, I'm sure the no. stuff you get from South America is of like course. probably different level. Well, it's like everything. Everything is always reduced down. You know, for example, not that I smoke, but... People have even told me with tobacco, you know, if you if you if you have tobacco from, you know, the the Amazon, let's say, or even before, the last couple of hundred years before there was the commercialization of tobacco, it was a very different plant that you were you were essentially smoking, you know. Mm-hmm. Same goes with cacao. If you're gonna get cacao in a shop here in Dublin, nine times out of ten, it's gonna be obviously filtered down and infused with different things, you know. So yeah. it's not gonna do the same thing as such, you know. I think actually that's why breath work, I know mm. it's, people got pranayama as well, but uh, is so popular because you're, I've got a theory actually about smoking, mm-hmm. right? I've looked at people, sorry, I can't even interrupt myself. I, I know what you're going to say, I think. Myself. Do you, yeah, but like, I, I, I looked at a lad the other day and he's smoking a um, a vape. He's vaping, okay. he's vaping, okay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's standing outside the office or wherever, uh, I can't remember that's a bit outside, but he's leaning back and he's got the vape pen in his mouth and he takes his, his massive inhale mm-hmm. and this massive exhale. And exactly. just like, you can see his whole body sinking. Yeah. And I thought, that's probably the first time today he's taken actual breath. 100%. And he's doing it because he's doing it through the vape pen. Yeah. And but he's if he's breathing he... deeply down, he's directing the breath, not just up around the kind of collarbone region and, and clavicle. He's really sending it down, taking a full bodied breath, you know? Yeah. And but yet the the beautiful air we have, like you could take that breath, mm. but it's not. It's almost like it's been channeled through a vape pen, unfortunately. Exactly. Like, and I know you shouldn't disrespect anyone, but vapors, mm. what what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I like I, I smoke, and I smoked a little bit when I was younger, but it, I know it sounds shallow, but it kind of looks a bit cool, like James Dean, whatever. But vaping uh, doesn't have the same aesthetic. No, nah, it doesn't. You just like supping the vape pen. <laughs> but yeah, it did make me think, like. I wonder how much of the f- satisfaction you feel from having a drag of a fag is yeah. actually the uh, just the fact you've br- well, taken yeah. the breath. Again, the, 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 it's so it's paradoxical because it's so simple. But as you know, like the body is just this very incredible human vessel that can flick switches in an instant if we know how to harness it. You know, mm. and just that one big full-bodied breath is just like sending signals to your brain, like wow, life is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it does. Yeah, and if we were to educate people in school, like kids on how to, because for this guy, he's just doing what he knows regulates his emotions and regulates his stress. He knows that when he goes outside, like it's, you think about it, it's a whole sacred ceremony, Mm -hmm. you know, just, just dressed up in a different context. You know, it's like, I'm going to leave one space and I'm going to enter this domain where I can release and relax for a few minutes. And in that time, I'm not going to have to, you know, maybe look at anyone, speak to anyone. Maybe the guy wasn't on his phone. I'm just going to take this vape. And I'm going to be fully present. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be fully aware of what's going on around me. I'm going to take a full bodied breath. And ah, 
And that's well, a, that's a sacred practice. Sacred practice. On that term, sacred practice, you just made me think of something. I was talking to someone about it today. I used to re- uh, recruit people, as mm. in like be a recruiter for companies, like like H- HR. HR. Yeah. 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 And um, one tip I would give to people is when you go for an interview, mm. always accept what uh, something from them. So mm. if they say tea, coffee, water. Oh no, I'm fine. Not a good move because oh, really? once Why? you accept something, you start uh-huh. that process of reciprocity. Yeah, re- re- uh, reciprocity. Re- reciprocity. Thank you. I think that's how I pronounce it now. I hope. And we're going with that because <laughs> it's better than what I was going to say. Reciprocity. Re- right. You, you started that that give and take. Yes. Um, uh, so and it just made me think that so rare do you mm. have someone, I'm assuming, visit your house, especially mm. since this COVID thing come along, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this is part of the reason why I love a podcast because it gives me a chance to meet people that I find yeah, interesting. And, and have a chat. <laughs> have a chat. Yeah. And then I think, well, this could share this with other people and see what they think, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but when you, and I was watching Ross Kemp on Gangs last night. Oh, hey, amazing. amazing. Amazing, right? And I noticed that every time he goes to like a tribe somewhere mm-hmm. or the, a gang somewhere, mm-hmm. it, it's always the same thing. Yeah, have a sum of our liquor. Have mm. some of our smoke, some of our whatever. Yeah. To eat some dung beetle or whatever we mm-hmm. eat in the rainforest somewhere. Yeah. But it's that thing of if you want to sit with us, and uh, it's an invitation. To, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to take, to to take something and to share something together. And I I think like ten years ago, no one talked about coffee in Ireland. Mm. Wasn't yeah, a thing. Well, exactly. Cup yeah. of tea and a yeah. biscuit. Yeah. Now it's like let's go for coffee, coffee, coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the the drinkers industry is kind of declining a little bit, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And um, and yeah, coffee's kind of taking its place. Mm-hmm. But what it's made me realize is how it's such a shame that we don't spend time with each other. Mm, of course, like I'm 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 love having you here because I was been excited about it all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. actually, week to be honest. And I, I'm like, oh, it's cool. We get to sit, have a drink, have exactly. it. Exactly. If it was beer, tea, whatever. And it's it's just so fundamental to our existence, you know. And mm. it's not. I don't want to maybe you don't want to either talk about COVID stuff, but I keep saying that to people, it's like, we're hu- like, it sounds cliche to say it, right? But we are human beings. And that's a very different proposition than as we perceive other life forms on this planet, right? We're, we are the sociable ones. We're the ones who gather together, work together, communicate, make love, unfortunately make too much war as well. But, you know, we, we interrelate, you know? And we we just so desperately need that that interconnection. Like mm-hmm. what we're doing now is just amazing. Just to sit and chat, see people's face, read their facial expressions. You know, there's there's all sorts of kind of um, theories and in, in how the human brain came to be so large. You know, and one of them being how res- receptive we are to the varying and vast amount of facial expressions that we can convey mm. and how our brains develop to be able to process and read those facial expressions. That's mm. the thing that's unique to humans, you know. I, I don't know the figures, but it could be hundreds, could be thousands of varying facial expressions that we can convey, you know. Mm-hmm. And we, we so again, there's a, there's a theory that the brain has developed so large in response to that, yeah, metacognition, you know. So these are like really fundamental to our makeup, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even I was listening to a podcast last week, really interesting doctor and talking about the, the, the microbes. We've trillions in our body, you know, we're, we're mainly microbes. 
And even now we're, we're sharing microbes, you know, and that mine are communicating with yours saying like, hey, I need this mineral and I need this nutrient and yours, they're reciprocal. Get off my microbes. Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> I, thought no, we're, I, thought, I, thought we're, I thought we're cool because we're trying to drink, you know. Right, have some microbes. <laughs> but, you know, it's that, that same thing. You're talking about the reciprocal uh, nature of, of things, you know. So it's like our bodies even are in communication on a level we, we're not even aware of, you know. And it's like, so we really need that interconnectedness. It's, mm. it's just so fundamental to who we are uh, this is another conversation but I, I i feel like a very uh sickening feeling or something when i walk past someone who doesn't have a home who's on the street mm -hmm. and i'm like i give money sometimes sometimes i once gave my umbrella not too long ago whatever i'm like what does that do like mm -hmm. what, 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 these people are just being forgotten about basically yeah yeah i'm not saying i'm mother Teresa or anything but um i can do maybe a little bit more than i am so mm. I have to wait and see now. What we, I'm really enjoying this chat. What this bloody dog? <laughs> <laughs> is it? We, we've had our hour, unfortunately, so we, we got a wrap cool, it, man. man. But um, any final words or where to find you or um, what you're working on? Well, yeah, just to say massive love to you, man. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. And Pleasure. beautiful to hear what you're doing because it, it's just so important, you know. And and just to kind of finish off that last thread of thought, I think it's important that, you know, through COVID and, you know, myself being back here in Dublin, it's like there's so much, as you said, homelessness in Dublin. You know, I think especially the yoga community on the social media world is always, and, and thankfully, uh, as far as I observe, they're trying to create change. And, and of course, there was a recent outreach with, with India and things like that. But it's like there's a lot going on on the ground here. And again, if you perceive yoga as a, as harnessing a relationship between you and directly what's happening around you, then surely that means we focus on what's going on around us, you know? Mm. And so I hope, and myself included, um, I'm trying, I, I got in touch as a great foundation that I'll actually mention because I emailed them and I can't do some teaching with them because of the COVID restrictions, but it's the uh, Phoenix Prison Trust and they, they run in, in, in the UK and in Brilliant. Ireland. And yeah. they bring yoga teachers into in the prisons to teach yoga, teach mindfulness, things like this. So, you know, it's just about, I think, yeah, as yoga teachers, let's say, and even yoga practitioners, because it's like I was saying before, we all have the capability. Everyone is powerful in their own right and can make little changes that, that changes people's days, their lives, mm. you know. Like Actually, you, you can smile to someone on the street and you've no idea what that smile could have done for that person. Yeah. You really don't, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. I... I am um, the prison thing is like I, I I actually want to talk about that but I can't but I mean, I'm definitely gonna ask Sean again if you'd be up for it yeah but, um, definitely but we, we we've so much we could <laughs> you know rattle through but so much wisdom <laughs> no no <laughs> so but... much Guinness <laughs> um thank you so much mate yeah thank you man yeah. I appreciate it this episode was brought to you by Move Meditate Sleep your all-in-one platform to help you move more freely meditate more easily and sleep more soundly with new content added every week. If you'd like to try a free seven day trial, click the link in the show notes.